Hi, welcome to Unscripted by Twine. I'm Diana Rao, and I'm your host. In this podcast, my guests choose from a library of deep and thought-provoking questions, and we just talk about it for 15 or 20 minutes. Our hypothesis is that as long as we choose meaningful questions, we'll end up in a conversation worth having. As Carl Sagan says, we make our world significant by the courage of our questions and the depth of our answers. Ready? Let's go. So I have my friend Derek here with me, and he has selected some pretty challenging questions for us to talk about today. Yeah. Derek, are you ready? I'm ready. Thank <laughs> you for having me. This is okay. Awesome. Let's, let's dive straight in. I love, your, I love your first question so much. This is actually one of my favorite questions. Yeah. Um, what is a formative experience that you don't often talk about? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I, I've, I've learned to talk about it more now that I'm older and I've, I've spent some time intentionally processing it. So when I was 13 years old, uh, actually, let me rewind a little bit before that. I was raised by a single mom who didn't graduate high school, uh, really struggled a lot to, uh, to take care of me when I, when I was young with all the means that she could for uh, somebody in her situation. And then when I was 13 years old, she unexpectedly passed away. She had a brain aneurysm and was there one second wow. on the next second. And so, um, as you can imagine, that had a significant impact on the trajectory of my life. And so it took me a long time really to just have the ability to even say what I just said um, and be kind of completely honest about it too. And so what, what I sometimes say now or when I talk about it, um, and I try and say it in a safe space because I don't want it to be received incorrectly, but I, uh, I say it was the best and worst thing that ever happened in my life. Um, and you can imagine, obviously, the worst thing that happened in your life is losing your mother at, when you're a teenager. But I say it's the best thing in my life because it did truly make me who I, who I am today. Um, it, uh, it made me very, very self-sufficient. Um, it gave me this drive. Um, but then the other piece of that is that it's also connected to the worst piece. So for a long time in my life, um, I was too independent, right? Um, so I didn't have healthy relationships or not as healthy as they could be. I had abandonment issues, not only because my, my mom died, but my father wasn't there. And so um, it really impacted my ability to have healthy relationships with people, or at least completely invest in those relationships and be open to being loved in uh, a fashion where I wasn't worried about that person leaving and stuff. And so it probably wasn't until I was maybe 40 or something like that, not that I wanna give my age away, uh, that I that I really reflected on it and you know spent some time analyzing it and and working through it and what that allowed me to do was really open myself up to opportunities and 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 be fully present with people um, and fully open and available and things like that which of course comes with risk being hurt and things but it opens up all sorts of opportunities so really that's the that's one of those things that I really had a lot of trouble uh, being willing to share. When I was younger, just the emotional scar of it was difficult. And also the being honest of kind of the, the impact that that has on your life and, and what, it, what it makes you capable of doing, but then kind of how it hamstrings you in some ways. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, how, so, you, so it took a lot of time. You said in your 40s, this may have been like the, the time when you started saying, I can be honest about this. I can talk about this. What was the shift there? Like, what was it? What were the practices? You said you reflected. So I want to know, like, how did you reflect? You know, how, what, what happened there? 
Well, I bottomed out. <laughs> so uh, um, I, I went through a horrible uh, breakup. And, and so I, um, it, and it just had a real, real bad impact on me. I, I think it was probably, it was definitely that breakup was the lowest point of my adult life. And, um, and I just really took it some time to take a step back and analyze the situation and try and figure out how I ended up there and why I ended up there and, um, why this relationship failed and things like that. And what I could do to maybe prevent that from happening again. And it's when I, you know, I had to look way back and, and that's when I really started analyzing that did a lot of reading, um, on kind of some of my emotional scars and I, and I knew it was there and I kind of looked at it from maybe a shallow sense, not really deep into it. Like how is this really manifesting itself in me now? And, and really it actually didn't really take that long um, to kind of start processing through it and realize the impact that it was having on my life and the impact that it was really having on relationships and, and what I was taking into relationships and what I wasn't able to experience in those relationships because, because of that. And also what, what I was looking for in other people that I might be in a relationship mm -hmm. with. And so it was kind of, it was, I mean, now that I reflect, I mean, the, in the moment it really sucked, but um, now that I reflect on it, I'm in a very positive relationship now, the best, most healthy relationship I've ever been in in my life. And if I hadn't gone through that, I would have been, I would not have been available to be open to the relationship that I'm in now with the amazing woman that I'm married to. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm curious about learning safaris in general, like how you go about finding. So you mentioned books. There were books that you read, or maybe people you talked to. Um, was there like out of all the resources that you went through, well, first of all, I want to, I'm curious about your process. Like how much of it was self-designed introspection, just I'm going to come up with things and go deep inside myself versus frameworks that you found in books, mm -hmm. in there, in wherever, like all places. It, it was all of those. And I, I'm not going to pretend in, that I'm some sort of expert or anything, but I, I do know myself pretty well. Um, and I know myself better now. And so um, it's kind of a little bit embarrassing to talk about, but um, I just was in a bad spot and, um, and it wasn't just the breakup or the relationship. It was kind of a combination of things. Um, my experience in the military and the Marine Corps, some of the things with that, that I hadn't processed. Um, and some like the death of a friend of mine that, that I really need to take some look at and figure out how it was impacting me. Um, what I was taking into these relationships with my own experiences in life with, without a father, with my mother passing. Uh, when I was young, and then this um, the crash and burn of this relationship was pushed me kind of over the edge. And so <laughs> I, uh, I literally was driving my truck one night. I lived in North Carolina, and I had this thought pop in my head where I can just, I'm like, I just drive this truck into this tree, and who cares? Mm. And when that came in my mind, I, I kind of, it, it, caught me off guard and what I what I immediately thought after that was these are not thoughts that I have these are not thoughts that Derek has and there's something wrong <laughs> there's something wrong with that thought and I need to do something about that and so um so I actually went home and it was Sunday I think I had a few drinks and I was sitting on my couch by myself and the military actually has this, I think it's called military one source or something like that. 
And I'm like, I'm just going to call somebody because I need to talk to somebody. And I called the number and I said, I want to talk to a counselor. And they set up this appointment for me to see this counselor literally the next day when it was a Sunday night when I called. Wow. Yeah. And um, it's kind of funny to reflect on because they asked me who I wanted to see. And I had picked this location that was close by. They asked if I wanted to see a female or a male. And I don't know why, but I said I wanted to talk to a female. And then the next day I go to this appointment and the place has moved. So it's not in the location I thought it was. And I have to drive to the other side of town. It was Jacksonville, North Carolina. So it wasn't that big. Um, but I'm, then I'm mad about that. And then I go and uh, I get called back to talk to this person. And it's not a female. It's this uh, guy. And now I'm really angry about that because, you know, not for any reason, just because I, I was a, in a real angry place. And so, you know, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm in the wrong place and I'm supposed to talk to a woman, but I'm talking to a guy. So I have all these things to be angry about, which really I didn't. But, um, and so I start talking to this guy and I mean, he was really, really brilliant in his capability because 10 minutes into it, I thought this guy was the best thing since sliced bread. It was pretty neat. Mm. And, um, and it, it was literally probably that 15 to 30 minutes that I spent uh, in that conversation where I was able to take everything that I had inside and just kind of take it out outside of me and look at it and start examining it and then take some, um, take some control over it, if you will. And, and that was the process. And so then it was like, okay, now I've, I've started, I've stopped moving down and I've kind of leveled out and now I have the ability to kind of come back up from this. And so I talked to him and got some advice from him. And he actually gave me a couple of books to read, which weren't anything more than self-help books. And, um, but I just started consuming them. And through that, reflecting on my experience, reflecting on my past, and looking for ways of improving on that. And so, uh, and I, I, I probably turned around within three weeks was, a completely different person completely different person wow yeah that's incredible yeah well what do you i mean so if, if some like what do you recommend for someone who is trying is at a, at a breaking point at a bottom point and is dealing with these scars that they know exist is in a similar place to you like what, what do you recommend for them immediately so if they're not in the military they you yeah. know, don't necessarily have immediate access to a therapist like what's a good first step or a book or I mean, an if, you don't have a, if you don't have an access to a therapist do you have a friend you have a friend that you can yeah. be honest with and, and, and share the ugly pieces of yourself that might eat. Cause you're worried about being judged. I think a lot of people are worried about being judged. And I even said that, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. I think it's some of the words that I said earlier. Um, and it's not embarrassing everybody goes through bad moments, you know? Um, but you know, when I reflect on my experience, I, I had a son that was in college and, and he noticed that was something that there was something wrong with me. And that, that was embarrassing to me. And in many ways, I felt kind of like a failure in that. And then I even had really close friends that noticed, even from a distance, that whether it was my interactions on social media and things like that, it was having a negative impact on me, which actually, that's a huge thing. Um, during that moment, I completely changed how I work with social media. And um, I, I noticed the, the toxicity of it that if you don't Whoa. interact with it on a healthy matter, it can really exacerbate things like this. So let's say you're, um, you're feeling down on yourself and you go on Facebook or Twitter or um, 
Instagram or something like that. And you look at your friends, well, everybody advertises what amazing lives they have, right? <laughs> and so now you're comparing yourself to them and now you're really down because you're comparing yourself to this false narrative that they're sharing with you. And, and then maybe you take it a step further and you lash out or something like that. And that doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. You know, whether you pick an issue that you want to get, you want to rally around and complain about, and you see a lot of that on social media. And I think I got caught up in a little bit of that. And so when I was going through this process and I've maintained it since, cause it's been six years since I went through that a little over six years. Um, like I only post positive things on social media. I only interact with things that, I mean, and I have friends and colleagues that cover the entire spectrum of beliefs and thoughts and ideas. And if they're, if they post a lot of negative things, I, I won't unfollow them or unfriend them, but I, I try and move, remove those from my feed just so I don't have to, to see it. Mm -hmm. and, um, or I'll just take a break from it if I, if I don't mm -hmm. that. So, so what, I, what I would tell somebody is, you know, find that, find somebody that you can have a conversation with because it certainly makes a difference to take that, take it from the inside and put it outside and, and separate it so you can look at it a little bit. And examine it and I think really that's what a therapist does right mm -hmm. um, a counselor does you can express your ideas to somebody that you're hoping is going to be judgmental of you they might be able to offer you varying perspectives and things like that um, that instead of just turn keeping a spiral that just continues to exacerbate um, and we know um, if you're struggling with any type of thing whether it's just depression or any type of mental illness or anything like that mm -hmm. isolation is horrible isolation, alcohol, mm -hmm. all those things, um, exacerbate those, those issues. You know, I, I was actually working out. So that was a positive thing. I think goodness, I was mm -hmm. actually staying active, but even today, if I find myself weighted by anything, whether it's work or just general stress, I'll try and get a workout in. And I just had a meeting this last week with some professional colleagues that come together, uh, once a month to just kind of, it's kind of that it's an airing of grievances and professional practices and all these different things. But again, you can share your work in there where you might be struggling in your role in a professional sense. And then it's mm -hmm. a, it's a space where you don't have to worry about them coming back at you that are going to offer you solutions. But then when we leave, we kind of come up with our goals going into the next month. And one of the things that I said was I have to do one of three things every day. I either have to work out, um, uh, I either, or read, or do some sort of professional development. I can do all three, but I have to do at least one of those every day. Um, I'm going to try and do that every single day and because it helps me. And, and then mm -hmm. in turn, it also helps everything around me because I'm hopefully bettering myself and making myself more available too. And that's amazing. Are you tracking it actively like in a diary or a journal? I just make sure I get the check off every day. Literally, actually, before you got, we, we got on the call, I was reading a book. This is this one. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. I'm reading a good? book on every president in chronological order. Mm. One, book, one book per president in chronological order. I'm only three into it. But. What have you learned so far about human nature or about leadership? Or what, I mean, what's been the takeaway across all these presidents, the three that you've yeah. come across so far? Well, it's actually amazing. Um, one, you mentioned human nature first. We haven't changed. Humans, humans are mm. very much the same they were 
today as they were 200 and something years ago. Um, politically, uh, politics hasn't changed much. Um, and the reason that I picked one book per president um, in chronological order is because there's overlap with each story, right? So you read about yeah. George Washington, you're gonna learn about John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Madison Monroe, and so on and so on. But you get a different perspective of similar events and hopefully with that, a more full story. Um, so that's what's kind of exciting to me. Whether you agree with the person you're reading about or not, you can still learn um, from them. And so you get to learn some history, which is really neat because, I mean, our, our country has, has an amazing history, um, good and bad, all the, all the amazing things and all the warts included. Um, I, I find it fascinating. And I do find the, uh, the human experience uh, amazing. And from a leadership perspective, um, you know, the folks that were, you know, that we refer to as our founding fathers, um, that was a scary, scary time. And they did some very, very scary things um, in creating this nation and separating it from Great Britain. You know, today we tend to kind of point out people's warts. That seems to be kind of the trend, right? With, let's find a way to tear people down. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I'm, I'm, I don't think anybody's perfect. And so I just say, you can, I try and look at the whole, whole thing with the acknowledgement that everybody is going to have some flaws and make mistakes and, and it's not always fair to put our social values of today on, uh, somebody from, uh, even a decade ago, it gets challenging. Um, and it's really easy to condemn people through that. So, but you miss out on an whole story if you if you just spend all your time on that mm, interesting okay so in addition to the uh american presidents that you're studying right now i'm going to segue us into your second question which is who are your people besides yeah. hanging out with uh jefferson and lincoln and all our friends over there <laughs> um you know so i look at that as what are your identities um mm -hmm. I, I had this question posed to me probably in not in the same way but uh Similarly, like, what are your identities or what's your culture or something like that? Somebody asked me that, a professor asked me that, I think it was probably 11 or 12 years ago. And at the time I thought, well, my answer was, I was very much a loner. Um, and so I, I, like, I like people that like me um, from all sorts of different backgrounds. And um, as I, after a couple of years, I kind of looked back at, it, at, at that answer and thought, oh, that was kind of a, um, a scapegoat answer in, in many ways. Um, but it also could be connected to, you know, my inability back then to attach because I hadn't gone through that process that we discussed in yeah. the first uh, question yet. And so now I really, um, I really hold on to um, many identities. You know, I, I was a, uh, I was in the Marine Corps, so I'm a Marine, I'm a veteran. Um, those that my people are included in that group. I do a lot of work with the military. Um, and it took me a while to really hold on to that identity. But now mm -hmm. I, I actually cherish it in many ways because it's a, it's a sphere of influence that um, I'm proud of. Like I can have a positive impact on this, on this community. Um, I'm an educator, so I've worked a lot in higher education. And those two spheres have overlapped 
quite a bit. Just yesterday, I was speaking at an event at Washington State University, and their education um, leadership was there as well as their students, and they were trying to have a positive impact on military students on their campuses. And, and so um, the higher education community are, are my people. Um, I'm an outdoorsy person, so people mm -hmm. that love um, the outdoors and love to spend time in the outdoors and find value in it um, and that care about it are my people, which is kind of, now you can sometimes see where some of these may start to conflict with each other. Intersect, yeah, or conflict, yeah, as well, yeah. They, they intersect and they, and they conflict in some ways, not with me. Um, I, find, I try and find harmony in, in all those relationships. And, um, but yeah, I, uh, I like happy people. <laughs> I like people that like to have fun. Uh, I guess optimists are, are definitely my mm -hmm. people. Pessimists, not so much. Um, that's definitely people that I tend to avoid that might be pessimist. Pacifist? Pacifist. No, not pessimist. Pacifist. Hold on. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Pessimists. There we go. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, the other thing is, is I found myself uh, keynoting an event um, at a peace forum. And I thought that was kind of funny because I was um, this this guy that's been a career in the Marine Corps, then I'm finishing this conference on peacekeeping. And that's kind of also me alluding to where some people might see there's a conflict between the identities that mm -hmm. I hold. But even people in that room, I think initially were thinking, you know, how, what's this guy going to talk about? <laughs> you know, you spent a career fighting wars. Or do you really care about peace? And it's like, well, of course we care about peace. We don't, you know, I think most of the people in the military um, that have participated in conflict um, in any capacity, um, they they do it for peace. You know, we, we want a strong, hopefully we mm, want a strong military yeah. because as a deterrent of some sort or to protect the, the people and the things that we care about. Um, so for me, those things are in harmony. I prefer peace. Um, but we've been talking about the human dynamic and humans aren't perfect. And at some point, they're going to be in conflict and hopefully we can minimize that conflict too in some ways. But when mm. it becomes too big, mm -hmm. then we seek out ways of protecting the ones that we consider our people. Uh, unfortunately, those boundaries or wherever we draw those lines often uh, can be problematic. Um, do you, so do you, um, do you aspire to get to the point where everyone is your people or do you think that's a fool there and or is that kind of like a not a necessarily on mission for you? I think that's a nice vision, you know. Yeah. So it's nice for something to strive for. So then that's where my purist and pragmatic ideas become yeah. like and and so I try and find where that balance is. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you. I'm reading this book on Jefferson because I think that's very much what he was. He was he was a philosopher. Um, and he had these very kind of idealistic ideas, um, but he was pragmatic in his political work. To get things done, he would compromise on some of those ideas on the betterment of the whole, is what mm -hmm. he thought. Now, that, that becomes a judgment issue, right? So I might think one thing, um, and you might think that that's outrageous, and you've gone too far, so who determines where that line is that's appropriate? Um, but I do think that there is a line there, um, and that also goes back to kind of my more of my background. So I'm I am an academic. I 
I've studied significantly in, in higher education. Um, and one of the things that I found out that, or I found fascinating in higher ed is like being in a doc program or a doctoral program, you study a lot of theoretical stuff. Well, a lot of that stuff can be really out in the clouds, right? And so as I was going through my advanced education, I was, I was fascinated by that and I enjoyed conversations around that. But then my thought was, how do you take this and then use it to have a positive impact in the community or your circles around you? And if you spend too much time in the clouds, it becomes, it's just the purest thought of it. It's all theoretical. It's not pragmatic. So at some point, where does that rubber meet the road? And no matter what, when you start pulling that stuff down from the cloud and putting it on the pavement, you're giving mm -hmm. up pieces of it. So, yeah. Yeah. so there has to be a compromise internally, personally, and oftentimes that's within a group as well, in order for you to move forward or have a positive impact. Um, and so there'll always be that conflict. So it's a nice vision to have this like shiny, happy people and all that, and utopia and all those things. But I don't think it's realistic. I think humans are going to completely, can I swear? I don't know. Yeah, they're gonna fuck it up. <laughs> you can swear. You can swear. Okay. You can say. I was like, I, was like yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe Apple Podcast starts censoring me. I don't. I don't yeah. think so. Well, though. Well, <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Humans are gonna. They're gonna. They're gonna fuck it up. You know. And yeah. And, and we're jealous beings. We have envy and things like that. So mm. there's going to be somebody that has something that you have or that they have that you want, and it's somebody. It's going to drive them crazy enough that they're going to lash out in a way that's, and then that's, you know, on a grander scale and that turns into war. It's instead of being between mm. individuals, it's between states or nations or whatever it happens to be. Mm. Um, and then you add a little bit of imbalance into the equation of some sort. And then it's, yeah. you know, then we're in, now we're going down the hill real fast. So, um, yeah, well, it's interesting because you're talking about humanity's weaknesses and the third and final question is actually about your three greatest weaknesses. I don't know why you're setting me up so well for all these segues. It's like crazy. But, um, but yeah, let's, let's, so let's shift from like the, the great, there's, there's just so, I mean, yeah, humanity. Well, what do we have to say? You're reading history over and everything's still the same. But yeah. centering into you, what are, what do you consider to be your three greatest weaknesses? Oh man. Yeah. Now definitely pulling the curtain back. So, um, I, I'm really vain. Um, I, I like to be light. Wait, wait, wait. Do people know that about you? I don't do, know. Do your people, do people generally know that? No. I, yeah. I don't think so. Maybe they do. Mm. My wife probably does. Um, <laughs> so, well, the thing is, is, um, I'm aware of it. So I work really, really hard for it not to come out mm. openly, um, which mm -hmm. actually kind of leads into some other issues. Um, so I like to be the center of attention. Uh, maybe that's on your. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why I'm on your podcast. Uh, <laughs> in group, I, I like it, um, but what that can manifest as is I, um, I can dominate a conversation, um, and that that specifically that piece drives me crazy like if mm -hmm. i'm in a circle of people or i'm in a meeting um i want to jump in and i want to participate and i want to contribute um 
But when I do that, I know that that takes other people's voice away. And so I work really, 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 really hard to not do it and try and provide balance. Now, what happens is then when I see other people do it, it drives me absolutely bonkers because mm-hmm. I'm working so hard to not do that. And I see other people do it, um, which leads to another weakness that I have that I have at times sabotaged people that do do that, which isn't necessarily the right thing to do or the mature thing to do. Um, but if I find people taking away somebody else's voice or dominating a conversation or something like that, um, I'll find ways of taking the conversation away from them. Um, Mm. So that, and that kind of is the overlap of, I want attention, I want to be liked, I'm very vain, I want, and all those different things. Um, Another weakness of mine is I don't have patience. Um, So I have to consistently remind myself that other people aren't like me and they have strengths that are different than mine. And so, but I think awareness is the is the biggest thing. It's it's nice to know what your um, your valences are. I mean, how do you naturally approach um, a group or a topic mm-hmm. or a mission or something like that? Um, and then it's really it's good to know your weaknesses. And the more you can pull them out of your blind spots or your shadows, the less of a weakness that they they are because awareness is the the counter to it. Um, you know, and that's yeah. a lot of self-exploration and, and noticing those mm-hmm. things and also listening to people when they point it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I've had people point that out to me, some of those things. And initially I was very hurt and upset and all those things. And then, um, and then spent some time reflecting on it and realized like, oh yeah, those are, those are truths mm-hmm. to me. Um, well, first of all, thank you for like pulling the curtain back on this. This is this is quite a, like you really did go for the hard questions. Um, I'm one thing I'm trying to understand is the relationship between you. You mentioned that early on you considered yourself like a loner, right, for a long time. So very much like this loner persona, highly independent. And then on the, the other side, you have this perceived weakness currently of like being vain or wanting to be liked. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Because yeah. I would expect like a loner freedom, super independent side and then versus like yeah. caring about. Perce- so how, how do those come together? I think the loner piece was a little bit different. I wanted to be liked by everybody. Mm. I didn't want to just be in one group. I want to be in this group and I want to be in that group. So mm. I want, you know, if we're in high school, I want the jocks to like me. I want the stoners to like me. I don't know. What do they call groups today? Like whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they call, whatever your cliques are around campus or, yeah. or your, your school or whatever your group. Uh, I wanted them all to like me. And it, it's kind of interesting because I'm not conflict adverse and I'm, I'm learning to not give so much value to other people's um, opinions and thoughts. I do care, but there's also things you can't control about other people. So letting go of those things that you can control, um, especially if it's somebody's thoughts on you or maybe an action that you took that didn't you know, if you just spend so much time on that, it just will drive you crazy. Um, and so I, it took me a long time to say, it's okay if, you know, this group doesn't really care for me or mm-hmm. doesn't have an opinion of me or anything like that. They don't need to. Um, and that's not, that doesn't really add or subtract to my personal value. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a, it's something that is just naturally there. If I meet somebody, I want them to like me. Um, 
if they're liked um, by a, a bunch of group of people, then it seems like their their opinion has more value, and I want to be liked by that person or something like that. You know? Yeah. That's very honest. <laughs> I think a lot of people are driven by this desire, but probably wouldn't be honest enough to actually voice it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Took a long time to get there. Took a long time to get there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a lot of questions about the journey, but yeah. for the sake of time constraints on these conversations, unfortunately, we'll probably have to do an episode two on that. Yeah. <laughs> can always do that. I can always do that. On the entire journey. Well, thank you so, so, so much, Derek. Yeah. For for, for opening up your soul because you really did i mean this is like amazing what you just shared so thank you for this oh it's my pleasure anytime